Good morning. It's uh, awesome to be here worshiping with you today. Hopefully nobody, uh, or I guess everybody thawed out uh, after this weekend. I know it was very cold. Today we are going to return to Exodus. Our text is part of the same larger story we looked at last week and the week before. The Israelites have been freed by God from captivity in Egypt. They're making their way to the promised land. However, God did not send them on the most direct route. He actually took them to a dead end in the wilderness. In doing so, God set a trap where the sin of the Egyptians drove them to go after the Israelites, to enslave them again. Today, we pick up the story with the Israelites' realization of what is happening. So if you would please turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. We're going to begin reading in verse 10 and finish in verse 18. Those verses <clears throat> excuse me, can be found on page 52 if you're using the Pew Bible, and they will also be on the screens behind me. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10, is where we will begin reading. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff. And stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. I have been in a decent amount of bad situations in my life. I've never been in a war zone, but I have found myself in circumstances where my personal well-being was under threat. Normally, these situations were the result of my own stupidity. The Israelites are in a bad spot in these verses. Death and destruction is coming at them fast. They believe all is lost. 
God has not abandoned them to that which they fear. He provides a way for them through faith. When we are threatened, God provides a means of escape for us as well. Faith is how we are called to respond to fear. Faith is the way forward from fear. There is much in the world that understandably induces fear in human beings. Fear is a necessary emotion at times. Only a fool fears nothing. For a time when I was a kid, there was a popular t-shirt brand called No Fear. And these t-shirts, they had these ridiculous statements on them. One shirt said, there are lessons to be learned from competition, but fear is not one of them. Another argued, absolutely, positively, without a doubt, no fear. And then in parentheses it said, not even a little bit. Many of the shirts just described various high-pressure, end-of-game situations in different sports. The baseball one said, bottom of the ninth, down by three, bases loaded, full count, two out, no fear. In 1993, that was a super cool t-shirt for like a 12-year-old boy, and that was right in my demographic. Young men are the group most commonly associated with fearlessness. They are also the group most commonly associated with stupidity. <laughs> when I was a young man, I think I was less foolish than many, and I still did incredible dumb things. Well, I grew out of proclaiming my lack of fear through t-shirts, I still wanted to be a person that proved to myself and others that I wasn't scared. All right, so two of my sons went to children's church. Two are still in here right now. So the two that are still in here, I want you to stop listening for about the next 45 seconds of the sermon. So when I was college age, my friends and I, we would go cliff jumping. And we would go cliff jumping at night because it's not dangerous enough to go cliff jumping during the day. So we would find these 30 foot high cliffs and we would jump into bodies of water. And you know, like when you're a kid and your parents say, if your friends jump off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge as well? And you're like, well, probably, right? <laughs> but in this case, it was my idea. This was my idea. I went to my friends and I was like, hey guys, we're bored, it's night, there's water, let's jump off high things into the water, okay? Now, this turned out not to be a good idea to everybody's immense surprise. On one of these escapades, I injured my back pretty severely that caused me problems for about a decade because that's what 18-year-old guys do in an attempt to show that they are not scared. Fear my voice can start listening again. Fear is not inherently bad. 
It is a way that God has programmed us as people to respond to threatening situations. We are hardwired to respond when something makes us afraid. Stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline are released. Your blood pressure and heart rate increase. You start breathing faster. Even your blood flow changes. Blood actually flows away from your heart into your limbs, making it easier for you to start throwing punches or run for your life. Fear is supposed to induce action. We either run away when we fear or we stand and fight. The focus in either case is on survival. Fear being necessary doesn't mean it is always warranted. There are those that have phobias or irrational fears. Some phobias are well known. The fear of closed spaces is claustrophobia, the spiders, arachnophobia, and crowds are, is agoraphobia. These are all well-known examples. Other phobias are less common. Globophobia is the fear of balloons. Now, I prepared this sermon months ago, not knowing that there was going to be a lot of fear of balloons happening in the United States this week. And I, I didn't do this, but I'm quite sure if you go online, you could find whole conspiracy theories about balloons this week. In today's verses, the Israelites find themselves in a situation where fear is warranted. Last week, we talked about how God had directed the Israelites into a situation from which they cannot escape so that the Egyptians would pursue them. All behind the Israelites is the sea. Coming at them is an Egyptian army that wants to destroy and enslave them. There's no place for the Israelites to flee to. They know that if they try to stand and fight, they will lose. All the Israelites can see is that they will be destroyed. You can hear their concern and their accusations against Moses and by extension, God. They say, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. None of us is being charged by an army of chariots. At present, many Christians do feel they are being attacked by a heathen army that is intent on their destructions. Sometimes this is a bit overblown. If you spend much time online or engaging with news, you'll hear stories of mid-level bureaucrats using the power they have to make a Christian's life miserable. I'm not saying these stories aren't a problem for those experiencing them firsthand, but often these stories don't indicate a problem the rest of us will have to deal with. That being said, 
Christians are in the midst of a spiritual war that is playing out in this world. If we are following Jesus Christ, the world will see us as a problem that needs to be dealt with. Jesus himself described this dynamic in John 15 when he said, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Christians feeling fear in response to the world's assaults is understandable. We should make sure our fears are reasonable, but it would be foolish to argue that there is never any reason for Christians to fear. Fear is a reasonable response to threats. That's how we've been programmed. The question is, what follows fear? Do we wail, cower, and accuse like the Israelites did? That is never the way followers of God should respond when they are afraid. Faith is how any in a relationship with God are supposed to respond to fear. Fear and faith both originate from the same starting point. Both the person who fears and the person who has faith is acknowledging their limitations. They are realizing they are in the midst of a situation that is more than they can handle. The person who responds with fear sees the negative which they fear as the greatest power. The person who responds with faith in God knows that however great the immediate power they fear might be, God is greater. The Israelites' response to the threat of the Egyptians is problematic not because they fear, but because they lack faith. Faith in God overcomes every fear. There is no fear that is greater than God. Fear not is a common refrain throughout the Bible. This is the Bible's version of saying no fear. Unlike the t-shirts that were popular when I was a kid, the reason the Bible says to fear not doesn't have to do with any attribute of the individual person. If our existence were dependent on ourselves, we should be absolutely terrified. Human power is so limited. There is always someone with a bigger checkbook, more ammo, or more power. We cannot sustain our own lives if the world decides to destroy us, whatever power we have at our disposal. 
When the Bible says fear not or some variation of the command, it is always connected to who God is. Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Hebrews 13, 6 tells us we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Moses tells the Israelites to fear not. Stand firm in their faith and trust in God to save them from that which they fear. The, the Egyptians, the Israelites' fear are a problem God will eradicate. The Israelites will never see the Egyptian army again. We read this passage 3,000 years after the events described unfolded. And it seems obvious to us what is going to happen next. We know that the Egyptians will be destroyed in the Red Sea. We know what Moses predicts is what will happen. The Israelites did not know this. They didn't know what was going to happen next. How God could possibly save them. Their whole existence depends on Moses' words being true. Having faith, fearing not, requires having certainty in God's provision in uncertain circumstances. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Sometimes the most obvious things need to be said Faith is not really required if there's no uncertainty. We have to trust God when we don't know what is going to happen, just as the Israelites needed to. Fear of death is the greatest fear. It is the underlying essence of so many fears. Death is the greatest uncertainty in life. We know it will happen. We just don't know when or how. And no person can fully know what is on the other side of death either. So we respond to it with fear. In the face of certain death, Moses says to the Israelites, Stand, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. We may not be faced with death today as the Israelites were, but physical death is a question of when, not if. As Christians, our faith is that God in Christ has overcome death, our greatest fear. Jesus Christ has overcome death. He is the final salvation of the Lord that means we need not fear. We live in the midst of the uncertainty of death and the fear it breeds. 
We have to trust that through Christ, God will deliver us. The last enemy Christ will destroy is death, as 1 Corinthians 15, 26 makes clear. Through faith, God has us participate in his purposes. It is fascinating in these verses that God doesn't fully support Moses' command to the people of Israel. A case can be made that God actually scoffs at what Moses has said. Moses is correct on the basic fact. God will save the Israelites from the Egyptians. He is wrong in saying the Israelites don't need to do anything for God to save them. Moses had told the people, stand firm and be silent. Basically, Moses is saying, sit here and observe what God is going to do to do what God says right after Moses tells the people to stand firm in silence and observe is why do you cry to me tell the people of Israel to go forward it sure sounds like God wants the people to actively participate in what he is doing faith leads to action God works through the action that results from faith. After telling Moses to tell the Israelites to get in gear, God says to Moses, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. God is commanding Moses to divide the sea. This is not something Moses is capable of pulling off on his own. God works through the faith of people to bring about results they could never hope to accomplish on their own. God chooses to work through Moses' faith and the faith of Israel to save them and glorify himself. To be clear, God doesn't need Moses. He could have wiped out the Egyptians without breaking a sweat if Moses hadn't acted in faith, God was totally capable of saving Moses and the Israelites. Although we can't know for sure if he would have or not, how many he would have saved. In what area of your life is God calling you to move forward in faith? Or take some other action in faith? There are certainly times where God works through his people standing firm or responds to us crying out. God is gracious to us in our weakness. He knows we are dependent on him. There are situations in which our ability to act is so limited that God intervenes. This does not seem to be how God prefers to operate in the lives of his people, however. Only rarely in the Bible does God tell people to do nothing. Normally when this happens is because the people in question don't believe God has the power to act. 
An example of this can be found in 2 Kings 7, where God completely conquers an Aramean army in spite of a lack of faith among his people. More often, God tells his followers to act in faith. Noah was supposed to build an ark. Gideon was commanded to raise an army. The prophets were told to speak. And Jesus' disciples were commanded to go. God will make a way for all that belong to him. This is a theme present throughout scripture. In the book of Joshua, the Israelites are told God is with them wherever they go, but they must be strong and courageous. 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us when we are tempted, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. The outcome of our lives will depend on the extent to which we trust God by moving forward in the way he has made for us. There will be reasons to fear in our lives. The world is intent on the destruction of all who resist it. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work in concert to make a way for us. Faith requires moving forward with God. There is so much in our world that might induce fear. We might fear inflation, natural disasters, disease, or crime, to some extent, everything we fear is rooted in our fear of death. We fear that our tenuous hold on life will be eradicated by the enemies of, the, of this world. If we were on our own, these fears would be completely justified. This world will eventually kill us physically, whether we are destroyed by a rampaging army or an unstoppable disease. The people of God are not alone, though. He makes a way for us. Faith is a response to our fears. Through faith in God's provision, we overcome that which we fear. Faith is moving forward in the way God has made for us. Whatever form our fears may take, we can trust in God who is greater. Our faith is that God in his power and goodness has made a way for us as he did through the Israelites. And he has made that way for us through Jesus Christ, his son. Let's pray. Dear Lord, there are plenty of reasons to fear in this world, plenty of valid concerns that may exist. And I hope that this sermon is not a repudiation of valid fears that people may have. But I do ask that when we fear, 
that you help us to develop the faith we need to respond to that fear, the faith to acknowledge that you are greater than any fears that we may have. That whatever we see going on in the world, that Jesus Christ is still Lord. And that our faith in that transcendent truth would surpass any temporary fears we might have. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We will now 